This is Conversations with Corliss, the leadership podcast that gives you real and authentic advice that can help you change your life for the better. Here we will listen to stories and have conversations with people who are just like you, people who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Your host, Corliss, is a modern-day purpose-driven leader. As an entrepreneur, she has developed a multi-million dollar business, leading thousands of people to discover their potential and reach their personal goals, all while balancing the responsibilities of raising her three children. She is a powerful, inspirational speaker, a certified success principles coach, and the founder and CEO of Corliss Co. Consulting, Incorporated. Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it. My name is Corliss, and I'm so glad you are here. I love hanging out with people who are motivated to be more and do more. It's exciting to be surrounded by positive people who want to grow and live to their full potential. I know that's you or you wouldn't have landed here. My goal in bringing you this podcast is to help you take control of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. Thank you for spending some time with me today. This is episode 007, Your Struggle is Real So Your Triumph Will Be True, with Afia Buwateng. A wise person once said, struggles are required in order to survive in life, because in order to stand up, you got to know what falling down feels like. I am going to venture a guess that every person listening to this podcast has experienced their share of struggles. Life can knock you down, that's for sure. But even though falling is inevitable at some point, it is in rising that you discover what you're truly made of. The late Dr. Wayne Dyer said, When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Today's episode is all about being mentally strong so you have the resourcefulness to rise no matter what life gives you. The struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. Our guest today is a Gahaean expat who came to Canada with her family when she was just five years old. Being the eldest of four children, she and her siblings grew up in rural New Brunswick where they learned to thrive even though they were members of the only visible minority family within a 150 kilometer radius. Today, Montreal is home. She has completed degrees in the fields of chemical engineering and pharmacology from McGill University. Following a brief career as a pharmaceutical engineer, she has now made her own mark in the leadership development space through coaching independent entrepreneurs, mentoring minority engineering students, and inspiring those around her to stand for what is their identity and truth. She is a speaker of simple wisdom, a mother of two boys, a wife, and loves to travel. She believes that drawing upon her unconventional journey has allowed her to empower others to live an authentic life. Welcome to the show, Athia. Thank you for taking the time to offer your wisdom to talk with us today. Let's begin with you sharing what circumstances you have personally been through and why you know that although the struggle is real and inevitable, it is also possible to triumph. Thank you so much, Corliss, for having me here today. And thank you for your listeners for joining in. You know, the first thing that I will say, and I, I seriously have to honor and respect my parents because I do believe that the resilience I have today was taught to me through example and not necessarily in a formal way. So we, um, when we had moved to Canada, uh, I was, as you, know, as you know, I was five years old, but by that time, my parents had already were on their fifth move. So they went from Ghana to the United Kingdom, Spain, Kenya, and then came to Canada. And this, this was a couple at the time, I mean, they're still living, thank goodness, a couple at the time who my father left uh, Kenya, that's a country that we had directly come from, and he was a university professor of mechanical engineering. 
My mother uh, had been a high school teacher up until the point where she gave birth to me, um, and then she became a stay-at-home mom. So when my parents came to Canada, my father totally had in his mind, because up until that point, they were able to quickly transition into their new environment. So in his mind, he was coming to Canada, he was coming to be a, a university professor like he always had been, and life was just going to continue in a different environment and culture. That was not what happened at all. And you know, um, you know, he had so many challenges getting to work in his field to the point where he almost uh, gave up on his field entirely and actually got a, uh, a taxi driver's license. So he actually went to the, did all the testing and so on, got a taxi driver's license from um, the city of Toronto where we were at the time. And it was the moment where he went to go and retrieve his permit to be able to drive a taxi was when somebody gave him a tip about how to be uh, recruited or hired as a, a newcomer to Canada and what that meant for him at that time, honestly, Corliss, was it meant for him that he had to remove all of his education and his experience from his CV so that somebody would hire him. So we moved from there to New Brunswick, where he got a job as a junior engineer, meaning somebody who would be, it's like, you know, brand new graduate who has never had any experience in his life. And he climbed up back in the ranks, starting from that, basically restarting his career. And my mother had to manage all of us kids and new environments and all these moves and a husband with a completely different career than was planned at that time. So that, that in terms of my upgrade bringing, I am sure that already I saw the example of it, but I didn't get a taste of it myself until I started attending school. And I remember my very first bullying incident. And I think a lot of people can relate to this because no matter what your background is, we all know that there are bullies at school, unfortunately. And I remember somebody calling me, um, I think it was fatty or something like that. I think it was thunder thigh. So I was a chunky kid. And I remember somebody really making fun of my physique at school. And this was in grade two. And I came home so upset and so livid and really believing what this bully had said. And I remember that whole day at school, I just did not want to be with anyone. And I was so ashamed of my body. And I remember my father sitting me down and making me look at my body. So first of all, facing the fear that I had about myself, but then transforming my perception of that same body within five minutes. He said, you know what, if yeah, look at your body, look at your thighs. Are they the same as everyone else at school? Absolutely not. That was the truth and that was the reality. He said, but your thighs are strong. They're the reason why you can run faster than some people. They're the reason why you have the ability to push things further. They're the reason why you can stand tall and proud. And so I don't know why you're worried about having thunder thighs. Those thighs are thighs of power. And it was then Corliss that that was a lesson that I learned at a very young age, I was seven years old, that honestly, I believe has been the basis of any sort of struggle or, or um, triumph in my entire life, because I was able to understand that we can take the same situation, look at it in a different way, and all of a sudden we are empowered. I am like so inspired right now. There's so many nuggets of wisdom in what you just shared there. And it seems to me that the first one is just the shift in perspective. And, you know, I often talk about how we each have the ability to lead. And sometimes we just don't see ourselves that we're leading people. And we are. We're leading our own families just by how we respond to things that go on around us. And it really begins with having that strong mental mindset to be able to manage it and to see the other side of it and to shift that perspective, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So your parents sound like an amazing example to follow. And although your personal circumstances were different than other people's may be, it sounds like you were taught to be resilient just by watching through their example, which of course, all of our children are watching us today, right? Exactly. And that, that's what I appreciate today, Corliss, is being a parent myself today. You know, it's like this with everyone, right? When before you become a parent, maybe there were things that you thought you would do as a parent. Then when you get there, you realize what your parents actually did do for you and what they sacrificed and, um, the, you know, the lessons that they had learned. And you also learned that they made mistakes just as you are going to make, make mistakes as a parent. And so um, the lessons that I learned through them was when I, you know, when we had children is that I decided, you know what, I'm going to be intentional about this because I would not 
be where I am today with that level of perspective, that level of self-awareness. And to be quite honest, the practical life tools to be able to manage hardships, which are going to come for everyone, no matter what you're upbringing, no matter where you're from, no matter what experiences you've had, we all go through major challenges, hurts, disappointments, and traumas in our life. And it's not necessarily what happens out there. It's what you do with what you're given, right? And that is all, your response is all within your control. So I think you've really, really kind of nailed it there. That's for sure. And your parents certainly sound like people I would like to meet, actually. So throughout your career, you have uh, seen a lot of people triumph. Are there any stories that the audience might be inspired that you'd like to share? Anything that they'd really benefit from hearing? Absolutely. You know, um, I find that sometimes when people, when we share our specific uh, stories, I think that sometimes miss the boat, people, sorry, miss the boat because they are focusing on details rather than the experience. So my story is not a story of one where everyone would have had the same upbringing experience and so on. And I do remember the moment that I realized that uh, people have had some very significantly different experiences and upbringings for myself, and yet we've ended up at, in similar places, was um, one of my very, very closest, closest friends. Her name's Carmel, and we met each other at university. And so uh, my friend Carmel, she lost her mother as a toddler. So, um, you know, they were, you know, she grew up here in Montreal, but her, her mother passed away when she was a toddler. Uh, they were living um, at the time in a really remote community in Quebec. So this was not in Montreal, but in, in kind of a rural community. And she was uh, a minority in that town. And there was really no other minorities at the time. She um, grew up and was almost kind of had a fend for herself because her father was working to support her and her siblings and as a single dad at that time. And so uh, she worked really hard. She, she went through some pretty hard knocks in life. You know, she, to, to, able to, to be able to help support their family, uh, she, does, she uh, you know, got jobs on her own. She, she branched out on her own at a young age. She went on to become an engineering technologist. She worked in that field as an engineering technologist until she decided after uh, you know, the age of 30, that she was going to go back to the university to become a, a professional engineer. And that's where we met. And we met in classes there. And I remember she was the only mature student in our class. So you're, you're talking about, we started off about 100 students. We graduated, there was about 20 of us. And she was at least a decade, and sometimes in, in some cases, almost a decade and a half older than everyone else in that class. But she, cause she persevered and she was doing this all on her own. And she persevered, she went into, on to work in her field. She went on to get a master's degree in public administration. She has written books. And I remember when she was in the process of her writing her first book, she could not get and find a publisher to publish her book. And in true style, in her true style and her true resilience, instead of giving up and thinking, well, I guess this is not, this is not meant for me or I, it, this is the dream that will not come to pass, she went and found out and learned and studied how to, be, how to open her own publishing house. And that was funded through her own hustle. So she was selling things in addition to her, her full-time job in order to, to fund her own uh, publishing house, which she launched and then launched her own book. She's traveled the world um, and she's just done, she continues to amaze me because every time that there is an obstacle placed in front of her, in spite of her circumstances, in spite of the massive odds that I believe most people do not face, her attitude and her perspective has always been, this is not the right door, I am going to find a window. This is not the right window, I am going to find a roof. This isn't the right roof, I'm going to find a crack. This is not a, you know, this crack doesn't work. I am going to bust through this wall. She will always, always, always find a way. Oh, wow. I love that story. And I love how you're saying, like, the open the window, there's always another way you can do it a different, to go a different direction then, right? Such an inspiring story. Thank you very much for sharing that. It really shows us what's possible. You know, people like that really show us what's possible. So why do people react differently? Like, when, the, you know, it appears that the circumstances are the same or the situation is the same, why do people react differently? That's such a good question, Carlos. And 
I've, I've often asked myself this question because in, in my line of work, I am coaching a lot of people who are coming across the same challenges and situations. So even though we might have different backgrounds, even though we are at different levels in our journeys, I see a lot of the same situations. However, the results and the reactions are completely different, as you mentioned. And so one thing that I've come to understand is that we need to acknowledge and be truthful to ourselves and know that, first of all, that we don't have the same circumstances. So when we come across a situation, we often think, okay, let's say something that has happened in an instant in time, somebody passes you on the street and doesn't say hello. So when I see that, I, I believe a certain circumstance or situation has happened. When you see that Corliss, you believe a certain circumstance or situation has happened. What we have to understand is that we have not seen the same thing. And so what we think is the same actually isn't. We have not seen the same thing. What we, we have seen perhaps, sorry, the same thing, but we have not experienced the same thing. And the experience that you have in a particular situation or a circumstance is a, is a result of your previous experiences. It's a result of your education. It is a result of your upbringing. It is a result of your successes and failures and traumas and your mindset more than anything. It's a result of your mindset. And so I always ask people to, to have a bit of compassion when we're, when we're trying to quote unquote compare how people behave versus others, is that I truly, truly believe this, Corliss, that anyone, anyone can do anything and anything can happen to anyone. And that includes yourself. So if you truly believe that, you will know that when Corliss went through that situation, had I been in her shoes for real, because we always say, can you put yourself in that person's shoes? But had I really been in her shoes, I actually would have reacted the same way. We have a tendency to say, well, when that happened to her, I would have done it this way. Well, yes, you would have done it that way if you were yourself. But if you were really in her shoes, you would have done it her way. And why is that? Because you would have understood that before that person ignored her on the street, 10 other strangers had ignored her. Someone else had yelled at her before. She grew up in a home where her presence was not valued. And she has been taught all of her life that she does not exist. So when somebody crosses the street and ignores her, they just reaffirmed to her that she is not of value. You did not have that same experience, so you will not have that same reaction. Does that make sense? Oh, wow. You are speaking to me right now, and I bet you to a lot of our audience, especially with the particular story that you've chosen to share on that or the the perspective, because that has actually happened to me. And what's so relevant about this point is that we often only see it from our perspective and our life experiences. So we have a tendency to believe it's the same for everyone else, and it just simply is not. That's so true. That is so true. So what are some of the things that people can do to work through that? So if they've got a mindset that is hindering them from seeing the other perspective, what are some of the things that people can do to kind of work through that and to be a little bit more compassionate and understanding with where people are at? That's perfect. So like I said, I think the first, the first uh, step is identifying that that first statement, and, I'm, and, I, and I mean, this is my personal experience and what I've seen, but we need to assume that that first statement is true. Anything can happen to anyone. Anyone can do anything, including myself. So that, that puts you on an equal playing field with everybody. So when somebody is going through something or when you're going through something, you, you kind of need to embrace the fact that this is yours or this is hers and whatever their perspective, their reaction, it is actually justified. And that's easy to say when we're talking about maybe somebody ignoring us on the street. It's a harder thing to apply when we're talking about people who have really hurt us whether physically, emotionally, um, or people who have really disappointed us or have really come across huge failures. It's, it's a much harder concept to apply. I fully understand and recognize that. So some of the things that I, I do when I'm in that situation to kind of help myself get out is the first thing first, I say, okay, what is the situation here? What actually just happened? And I try to do that from the perspective of someone who was watching what had happened, not what I saw, but what other people saw. 
So when I was walking down the street, I saw Jill, who was supposed to be my bestie, ignore me. But a stranger would have seen two women passing each other on the street and just not acknowledging each other. That's what happened. So what is the difference between what I think happened and what actually happened? And then I think through, why do I think that it happened that way? So the stranger would have described that situation in one sense. I would have described it in a different way. So why do I believe my way? And if my belief is, well, because um, she's a backstabber and she pretends to be my bestie, but you know, when it comes, when push comes to shove, when we're out in public, she doesn't even acknowledge me. Then my next question is, is there any evidence of that? What proof do I have that that's exactly what she was thinking or doing? And I can only pull that proof from my past experiences with her and her past behavior and our past interactions. If they don't align, I should not assume that's what happened in that moment, that one split second or that instant. And if it does align, then it's just simply consistent with her character and maybe my perception of what should have happened is actually what is false. So those are the kind of the steps that I go through Corliss is it's like what actually happened and not, not according to me, but according to someone who would, be, would have been like a third eye stranger, why do I think that happened? Um, is there any evidence of that? And if, if, it's, if there's evidence to go for that, then that means my prior perception of what should have happened was wrong. And if there's no evidence to support that, that means my perception of what happened in that moment was wrong. Wow. I love everything that you shared here a lot. So I think the kind of synopsis of that in my mind, and maybe for the listeners as well, is just to open your mind to the possibility it may be different than it appears. So just kind of open your mind there. You know, this reminds me of a story um, in my own life not that long ago, actually. My mom, who is just such a brilliant example of leadership and has just done such an amazing job of raising us eight kids, And uh, a while ago, I was dealing with something that was particularly hard, and I was talking to her about it, and I was emotional, like it was a hard thing that I was going through, and she said to me, you know, you know, sweetheart, right now you're in it, so you can't really see this, but what would you tell your own daughter about this? If you remove yourself emotionally from, you know, the situation and look at it kind of like you say from a bird's eye view, you can see things a lot differently if you were offering it as advice to a best friend, if you remove yourself from feeling that emotional connection to it. So I like to share on that. And that really is all about a mindset and a perspective, right? Absolutely. That is such a perfect example. That is one that I use often in coaching is that, like you said, what advice would you give to someone else in that situation and someone else that you care about? Because as human beings, ironically, when we have a problem it is a mountain, it is enormous, and it is almost unsurmountable. But when someone else comes to us with a problem, all of a sudden we go into solution mode. And that's just because like you said, you are emotionally detached from the situation. So that is perfect advice that your mother gave you right there. Yes, we were both blessed with these wonderful parents that guided us so well, didn't aren't we? <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> And now we get to share it with the rest of the world. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. My mom would just be like, whoa, I can't believe you're sharing my advice with other people. But it really is great life advice and great leadership advice. So what are some of the things that people can do to work through trying times? Right. So one of the things um, that I do, and I like to think back to the last time I was happy or fulfilled, or the last time I was at peace, you know, in a, in a, when I'm in a trying, you know, trying or turbulent time. When was the last time I was at peace? When was the last time I was happy? When was the last time I was feeling fulfilled and present? And what you'll probably notice, or what most people will notice, is that when you are able to reflect back on that time, what was happening at that time was that you were in motion. You were acting on something, acting with something, or with other people. And so... My just, and it's super simple, my number one piece of advice when you need to kind of get out of a funk and, and, and be able to enjoy or at least move on and start to resolve things is I believe in action. Because people often think that 
we will act when we feel better. The reality of it is, is that when you act first, the feelings come from the action. And then from that action, your mind will follow. So when you're acting, then you're going to get the feelings that you were hoping to have in that moment, the feeling of calm, the feeling of security, the feeling of control, the feeling of, um, you know, joy or happiness. And then when the, once those feelings start to flow, then your mind finally catches up and says, this is awesome. I have found another way. There are other options. You know what? I could seek some other resources that I hadn't thought about before. And it, it's, it's ironic, but it, it is a very physical thing. And sometimes the action part is something as simple as going for a walk or, um, you know, going to do an activity that you love to do outdoors, knitting, whatever the case may be. But it's, I believe it starts with action. When you, when you start to act, even, in, the, even in, a, in an environment where you have no idea what to do or what is going to come next, I know that the feelings will come. And then when the feelings come, the mind will follow. No truer words have been spoken and something that every person listening to this can do instead of just sitting around and thinking and thinking and thinking and worrying and being concerned, do something that's within your control. It's the do something and you will empower yourself. You will immediately start to shift your energy and you will start to feel better. That's really brilliant advice you've given to everyone. Hey everyone, I want to invite you to be part of a very special community. Did you know you can become a member of the exclusive coaching community for just $20 a month? Yes, you heard right. For 2020, it is only $20 to be a part of the live monthly coaching session, get support and mentorship on the month's theme, and have access to a community that is, well, incredibly awesome. Check it out and register today at corliss.ca. That's C-O-R-L-I-S-S dot C-A. Now, looking at, you know, um, being a strong, independent woman, and a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are the same, we have a tendency to kind of go things alone. It's just a a natural thing about being strong and independent. It's like you just, you know, do your thing and you got to rise up. And I mean, I talk about leadership and it is important to take responsibility and to own your life and make those choices that are good for you. But I think every once in a while, when life gets tough, or when we're in a funk, like you reference, we should we need help. Like there's there's nothing wrong with asking for help. So, what advice would you give to somebody who's just trying to go through it on their own? When is it okay to seek help, and is it okay to even ask for it? Oh my goodness! I just love these questions. I love that you are challenging me so much right now, Corliss, because you just totally described me in that, yes, I'm a strong, independent, powerful woman. I've got this. And in fact, listen, we've got all these beautiful quotes on social media uh, that promotes this message of you've got this girl and you are strong and you can level up and rise up. And so first of all, I'll preface this by saying, hashtag guilty, I am totally there. And this is a lesson that I continue to learn and continue to, to, um, to, to learn because I need to keep learning it. First things first, and I've learned this the hard way, is that it is only okay to ask for help if it is okay for you to help others. Because a lot of times, strong, independent people have no problem helping other people. And yet, we're the very first people to reject help when it's offered. So why do we think it's okay that other people are receiving help, but not us? So the, one of the things that I had to overcome and I had to understand about myself, about why I was doing that, because I am such a helper. As much as I'm independent and strong, I love to help people. And a lot of strong, independent women are the very same way. And so I realized that the reason why I did not like to receive help was because I thought that it made me look weak. And so then I sat and, and once again, talked through this situation from an objective point of view. And I said to myself, if yeah, if you think that receiving help is going to, is is, is a sign of your weakness, that must also mean that the people, you believe that the people you are helping are weak, who are receiving your help. 
is that the truth? Is there any evidence to, uh, evidence to support that all of the friends that you have, that you help are weak people? And the answer was no. So then I was like, okay, I need to check myself. I need to check myself. If, if they can receive, why not me? So it is okay to ask for help. But if you have a hard time you know, asking and receiving that help, you need to ask yourself, what is it that you believe about receiving help? And then the second thing you had mentioned, Corliss, was, you know, when should you seek help? Now, I, I don't believe that there is an ideal time. At the same time, I do believe the sooner you ask, the better it will be. The less, the less you will suffer. <laughs> I think that's because that, this mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. It is that you will reduce the suffering the quicker that you ask. And once again, this is coming from experience because I have done that. I have suffered um, until the last moment, until I had nothing else to give, until I was desperate, until I was on the edge, until it was all about to fall apart before I asked. And to come to realize that, to be quite honest, if I had asked in the beginning, I would have not suffered nearly as much as I did. So that was completely useless suffering and sacrifice. So when you ask in the beginning, you ask in the beginning when? When, you're, when you identify the situation or the challenge, when you know that you're going to come into, come into contact with a challenge, it hasn't happened yet, but you know it's coming, that should be part of your action plan. That should be part of the doing. Okay, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this, who can help me? What other resources can I ask for? What other options can I have? So the sooner you ask, I truly believe the better. But if you didn't ask in the beginning, it's time to ask now. Wow, I'm going to add to that hashtag, hashtag guilty. The other one that I could add to this very easily would be pride. I have a tendency sometimes to allow my pride to get the best of me and just like I'm not going to ask for help. But I love what you're sharing here about the first question that you said about who can help me. So who can help me? So I'm facing a challenge. Who can help me with this? That is just a brilliant share because a lot of times the problem doesn't even need to escalate. The challenge doesn't have to become bigger because we get the help earlier. The other thing too, going back to the advice that you gave earlier and what my mom always taught me was if you remove yourself emotionally from it, if you would look at another person and you would advise them to ask for help or to take the help, why wouldn't you? Give yourself permission to do that. If you need it, give your, if you need the help, for goodness sakes, give yourself permission to accept it. So we talk often about being a victim or being a leader. I do a lot of training on that. And that sometimes we flip from victim to leader, victim to leader, or leader to victim. And I think at this time, I'd really like to ask you if you could share what type of thoughts that a victim would, might have and what type of thoughts somebody who will triumph to lead would have. Mm, that's really good. That is a, a definitely a very good uh, question, Corliss. And I think f- from the beginning, I would say that a lot of the times, regardless whether you are going down that victim path or that leader triumphant path, is the, those initial, the initial thoughts are often the same. What, what differentiates a victim from a leader is a, is a victim allows their thoughts to rule their actions, their emotions, and to create other victim thoughts. Whereas a leader identifies those thoughts and and, and learns to master their thoughts and learns to uh, change their thoughts and their perspective and ask the right questions so that they can overcome that. So I'll give you an example. Um, A lot of the mentality that once again, strong driven women, like the women who are listening to this podcast, often have is that of absolute thinking, that it is all or nothing, that if I didn't do it right, then I did it wrong, that if it wasn't 100%, then it was 0%. So victims always feel like that nothing's in their control because if they can't nail it right then, in that moment at 100%, they have failed, so I might as well not even begin. So... And then that that thought leads to, well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault because this is a circumstance. That's a victim. It's a circumstance who has control and the power in the situation because that is a leader in the situation. 
So a victim definitely thinks it's not my fault. A leader thinks, what can I do? This is a situation, the situation hasn't changed, but what can I do? Another victim thought, this always happens to me. I'm always unlucky. I never win at bingo. <laughs> you know, all, just the most, the silliest things. This always happens to me. You are speaking into existence your future by saying that. Of course that's true. Because whatever you think is true. Whatever you speak into existence will come to pass. You are predicting your future. And I'm sorry, you are giving yourself a horrible future when you say a statement like that. This always happens to me. So a leader, when, even, even when the evidence shows that this has happened in the past, will say, okay, this, this time it's going to be different. I don't know what's going to happen yet. I'm going to find a solution yet. This time, I'm going to change something. And regardless of, you know, what, what, where your mindset is right now, one advice that I can definitely, I always tell people is be careful what you say after the two words, I am. Those are some very powerful words in the English language. And they are very powerful words that, that influence your life, your mind, your body, your spirit, and your soul. I am. Whatever you say after that will is going to change literally the direction of your future. So I am a failure. Wow. I am capable. Wow. I am strong. I am empowering. I am... Um, resourceful. I can, oh, I am someone who overcomes. Whatever follows the I am is the path that you're going to follow. So you have that power. That, that, those words come from you. They can come from you. Um, and then the other thing that I, I always uh, think about, especially when I get into, um, you know, when you come into a situation and things seem to be just absolute chaos and you're thinking oh my goodness like you know like the expression when it rains it pours where you're thinking what happened I mean life was going along smoothly I was so sticking under the radar everything seemed to be in balance and then bam one two three four five and then there was another explosion what's happening and when I get into those situations where I feel like one thing after the other, almost domino effect like is happening to me. The first thing I say, first of all, if it is not happening to you, it is happening for you. And why is it happening for you is because I need to remember and I challenge myself, remember what you asked for. Remember what you prayed for. Because if you can think back to the most recent request that you put out there or the most recent wish or desire or vision that you had put out there, more than likely what you're going through right now is actually the training for what you have asked for. So you asked to become a leader. Well, guess what? We're going to show you some leadership lessons in life. Boom. Here comes one. Boom. Here comes two. Boom. Here comes three. It's training time. You asked to be a better, a better mother. Boom. The kids are going to be a challenge. You asked to become a better friend. Boom. Your friend just, just backstab you. You asked to become a better daughter, to become a better professional, to become a better business person. You will have challenges in the things that you asked for. And so right away, a leader sees those challenges as a blessing because you know what? It means what I asked for is about to happen. We're in training right now. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. I think everybody needs to hit rewind right now. Go back about three minutes and re-listen to what Avia just shared there because there is so much that you just shared. Okay, I'm going to kind of, I want to summarize it to bring it back. So there's a couple of things here. First of all, victims live in blame, complain, and regret. Leaders practice ownership and solutions. So just remember there's choices here. You can choose to lead or you can choose to be a victim. And it's all in just a matter of how you respond or what you do with it. And of course, that's always connected back to how you think. The other thing that she's given you here is some very practical things that you can do with the I am, remembering 
that it's going to show up. Whatever it is that is going on in your mind is creating your outcome because the I am is like a, a summon, so to speak. And I want to offer up this because every single morning I get up and I have this recipe card that I've just written, I am. And I almost call myself to be the best that I can be every day by reading that card. And if there's a day that I don't read it, I can fall into victim mode just like everyone else can. And it's like you just switch it around to, I am not victim of this. This is who I am. So as an example, I do say to myself, I am a leader because leader encompasses to me someone who is resourceful and resilient and strong and who has a growth mindset. That word encompasses a lot of things for me, but I also call myself to be, I am kind, I am generous, I am positive, I am powerful, I am balanced because your mindset and, and putting yourself into that space is going to contribute to how you live your day. So there's a lot of really great things that you've shared in there. And I, I just want people to have a chance to kind of go back and listen to it again and add my own thoughts on that for, for sure. So if you had anything else as far as practical steps that people could do, so perhaps the I am, but like real practical things. So it's like today I want, I'm going to practice having a healthy mindset. Is there anything else that you want to add there as far as practical things people could do? You know, Laura, uh, Carlos, I think you nailed a lot of those. Just, you know, the recipe card idea is fantastic in the morning. Coming up with a way to have a morning routine. It's important. I know we talk about this a lot and a lot of personal development coaches will talk about morning routines. But one of the reasons why it's so important to do it in the morning is that you are in a state of mind where you are so open to anything that you decide to and you choose to absorb. So it could be the dings of your phone and text messages and the, the blue light from your screen. That is the first thing your body is absorbing. Your body is the, and your mind is the most open and receptive at that point in time. So that is going to set the tone for your entire day, weeks and months ahead. Um, and so I love the idea of having this card in front of you to, to and statements that you've decided in advance who you are. You're the one who's defining that and not your circumstance that is going to happen throughout the day. Another thing um, that I feel so, so important for a healthy mindset is, as I mentioned before, the action and meaning moving your body. And it can be so simple. Some people like to do yoga. Some people like to walk. Some people like to work out. Some people like to work in their garden. Some people like to knit. It is just a physical motion that really, really, really has a huge influence on what your mindset will be um, once again throughout the day and in the days and, and weeks to come. And then finally, the, the uh, other thing that I recommend people do is it can be in a journal, it can be on a sticky note, um, it, it just needs to be somewhere where you can refer to is to write down little successes. And I'm not talking about a to-do list. I'm not talking about um, the things that need to be done today or the things that are going to happen today and on Friday or people's schedules and calendars. But some of the things that you want to measure as an indication of your progress towards a healthy mindset. And I'll give you an example. Because sometimes, like I said, in an all or nothing mentality, we will say things like, well, yeah, I, I know I'm going to be a good leader when I don't have any negative thoughts. The, well, that's, that's not possible. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. However, if you can measure different things throughout the day that will help you check to see if you're making progress, because that's a goal here. The goal is progress and not, pro, uh, not perfection. So if I have an item as in uh, how many times did I stop to move today? That will, be, that will be an indicator of me, to me, of my progress. So it could be I moved three times during, during this day. I spoke kind words to one person today. I gave myself a break today and just did nothing. I um, planned on achieving something that would make me happy today. So deciding on some very small, small uh, milestones of progression, and you will realize that after a day or two, even though it looks so silly, something as simple as um, I will uh, eat 
celery sticks for my afternoon snack. And something as simple as that, that might not be what's going to, um, you know, take your company from 5,000 to 5 million. It's, it's this healthy mindset of I can measure small things which are impacting the big things in my life. And the, once again, the action will lead to the feeling. I'm feeling like a success now. I'm feeling like a success. And then my mind believes that I am a successful person because I'm able to eat celery sticks once a day as opposed to I need to build my business from 5,000 to 5 million in a day. Does that make sense? It does. And small steps can create big gains. And it empowers yourself. Really, what you're describing here is that if you can make small decisions to keep moving forward or make small decisions about who you are and how you show up, it will end up creating big gains because you'll actually feel inspired to keep going, keep doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You know, through my own life experiences, I've decided that we get to choose who we want to be and then we can go out and be that and that we have choices in this. And that's really, for me, a lot of what true leadership is is just making those choices and then showing up to be that, even if it's for no one else, showing up even for yourself. Absolutely, Corliss. And 100% spot on. You nailed it there because when you talk about showing up for yourself, I do believe that the tr- the true leaders out there are the ones who have mastered or are learning to master that because that that is the hardest person to lead on this planet. If you can lead yourself, you can lead anyone. Beautiful. I love that. And that actually leads me into, I have three closing questions I always ask for all of my guests or my, uh, yeah, my guests to share with the listeners. But before we do that, is there anything else that you want to add on this topic about, you know, creating a healthy mindset to be able to triumph and rise no matter what? Is there anything else you want to add before I ask you the three closing questions? I'll be honest, Corliss, not at all, because I, 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 I set my intention before this podcast. And my intention was to give it my all. So I gave it. I put it all on the line. <laughs> and I could feel it. And I know the audience could, too. And there's just so much brilliance in everything that you've shared here today. I just can't even thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So the three closing questions are, um, first of all, what does leadership mean to you? This is called a real leadership podcast, because from my perspective, we all have the ability to lead. So what does leadership mean to you? To me, Corliss, I summarize leadership in in one phrase, and this is how I live my leadership, is I believe that leadership is using your gifts to service others so that their gifts can be elevated. So using your own gifts in the service of others so that their gifts can be elevated. Love it. We rise by lifting others. And of course, we all have gifts and owning those. So for everybody listening, just own who you are, own the gifts that you have, stand up, rise up, be the leader that you can be, and then help other people do the same thing. I love that a lot. So if we were to ask you to share one book or one podcast that has just been so big in help supporting you and becoming the true leader that you can be, what would you recommend to the audience? Awesome. So I, I'm going to cheat, Corliss. I'm going to give two. And I'm going to give first a podcast and then a book. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because leaders are resourceful. We find a way. <laughs> and, and so the first one is the podcast that has literally just transformed my mindset and continues to do so. And because there's just such a huge variety of what is taught um, as a leader, but also as a person and, and so on, is Tom Bilyeu's Impact Theory. So I just love that podcast. Carla. So it's called Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu. And he's got some amazing guests that he uh, showcases on that podcast. And I know that your listeners will definitely appreciate it being people who really value leadership. The other one that I wanted to recommend is a book, and I I needed to give a shout out to a fellow Canadian. So this is a book by uh, Canadian Lily Singh, and she, um, some of you might know her as, you know, a super, super woman on YouTube. Uh, She has her own talk show now, but uh, this, the book that she read called How to Be a Boss, and it, I pronounce it that way because boss is, is spelled B-A-W-S-E, and it is a guide to conquering life. I love this book, Corliss, number one, because it is just so beautiful. I have not touched and opened such a beautiful book in a long time. It, it, it almost looks like a magazine all throughout, but it gives some very practical life 
a leadership lesson, just like we're talking about on your podcast and done in terms of today, right? Where we, we talk about the context of today, what people are living through when it comes to the information we have access to, the business of our lives, and in a language that, to be quite honest, is suitable from your 13-year-old to your 83-year-old. I love it. Wow, I can't wait to get it actually. And I have a little more time on my hands right now. So I'm going to be using that time productively. And the reason I was laughing before, because I think that's part of being a leader is you kind of push the limits just a little bit. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to do too. <laughs> awesome. Now I'm going to ask you one final closing question. However, before I do that, I'm wondering for people that want to connect with you or want to follow you or want to hear more from you, is there anything that you wanted to share as far as how they can do that? Absolutely. So uh, I think like everyone else, we are all on social media uh, in some form or another. Uh, I do have basically the profile that I use just to kind of share my my leadership thoughts and my life journey and just to, to show inspiration, it's simply Afia Boating. So A-F like Foxtrot U-A. And then my last name, B as in Bravo, O-A-T-E-N-G. Uh, you'll find me there on Facebook. And also in, I do have a, a page that, to be quite honest, Corliss, it is just in curation right now. Um, but that page, uh, give me one moment here and I'll give you my page. My goodness. This is, this is, how, this is how things move quickly in life. But um, my page is at Authentic Afia. So at Authentic And once again, I share um, some leadership wisdom on that page as well. Wonderful. That's just such a great share. I know you're going to have lots of people who want to follow you and everything that you shared today was was honestly so helpful. And I I know I'm going to even listen to it again. And I'm just very grateful that you spent the time with us today. And I know our listeners will be as well. So in closing, the big question through all of the highs and lows that you've had in your life, if you could offer one more piece of advice for the people that are listening, what would it be? Yes, and that is a big question. There is so much good advice that I have been fortunate to receive and learn from in my life. This one, I will have to say, is where I'm at presently. If you ask me in a year, Corliss, I might give you another piece of advice. <laughs> but this is where I'm at. <laughs> this is where I'm at right now. And I just want everyone to know that I and I truly believe this with the with all of my being. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. What you're looking for, it isn't a revolution. It's just a restoration of who you are. That's it. I have chills. That is beautiful advice. There is nothing wrong with you. Again, thank you again so much for joining us today, for all of your wisdom, for everything that you've shared. I think uh, I'll be listening. The listeners will be listening and probably listening to it more than once. Thank you again. Have an absolutely wonderful weekend and take care out there. Thank you. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.